the Agile brand. Welcome to season six of the Agile brand, where we discuss marketing technology and customer experience trends, insights, and ideas with enterprise and technology platform leaders. We focus on the people, processes, data, and platforms that make brands successful, scalable, customer-focused, and sustainable. This is what makes an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advising Fortune 1000 brands on MarTech, marketing operations, and CX, best-selling author and speaker. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. Before we get started, I wanted to make sure you know about my internationally best-selling book, House of the Customer. In it, I walk through practical steps of how brands can build the one-to-one, personalized, omni-channel customer experience we talk about a lot on this show, and discuss ways to make incremental steps toward this goal. Don't just take my word for it. Destination CRM called it required reading, and I'm sure you'll agree. You can find House of the Customer on Amazon or learn more on my website, gregkillstrom.com. Now let's get on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about building a changemaker culture and how you can help your teams to thrive among change instead of being disrupted by it. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Steve Blum, Chief Operating Officer of Autodesk. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. It's great to be here. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. Uh, Why don't we get started with you giving a little background on yourself as well as your role at Autodesk? Sure. So uh, I'm currently the Chief Operating Officer at Autodesk, and my role is focused on all of the elements of go-to-market for the company. So I've got the worldwide sales organization, the customer success organization, our marketing team, our global revenue operations team, as well as all the engineering and product management teams that build the products that we use to engage with our customers and partners. So it's not the products that our customers use to create their offerings, but it's the products that we actually use to run the business. So everything associated with engaging with our customers or working with our partners is part of the COO organization. Great, great. So yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna talk quite a bit about change today. And I, I wanted to start by talking a little bit about your own personal journey, which I think, you know, is in itself a story of change. Um, you started your career as an electrical engineer before you became a, a sales and business leader. Can you talk a little bit about the the changes that you've gone through in, in your own career uh, that got you to the point of making that transition? Yeah. So it's uh, I did start as an electrical engineer and I had a big passion for uh, engineering and math and science and uh, and computers when I was younger. Started out working on the, with semiconductors at NCR. Ended up doing some work in a back room by myself on a tester. I came up with a testing uh, technique for programmable logic devices and found some design flaws in uh, many of the parts that semiconductor companies were making. So I shared those findings with those companies and Many of them made me job offers. Some of them were to become an engineering manager, but one company actually asked me to consider a a role in sales. They said, you know, we only hire engineers to go into field sales engineering roles, but between your technical background and your ability to communicate, you may want to consider this role. It wasn't something, Greg, at all that I had thought about in my past, but spent a lot of time talking about it with a colleague of mine who was already doing that role. And I spent a lot of time talking with my wife and I decided to make the change and uh, 
never really looked back from there. But I, I do want to highlight something. I, uh, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of experiences after that role that gave me a, a rounding out of capabilities that I use in my role today. I, I went from being a sales engineer to a sales manager. From there, I actually took on a role in marketing. So I gained marketing experience. I then had the opportunity to run a global consulting PL. And then I went into sales management and sales leadership. And when I look back now on those experiences, I'm applying all of those things as part of my role as chief operating officer here at Autodesk. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. So yeah, a lot of a lot of evolution there. And you know, I think there's probably a lot of people listening that are they may be a little reluctant to to make a change, although maybe they're you know, whether it's lack of satisfaction in their current job or just, you know, kind of wanting a change. Like, how did you know that it was time to make a change? It sounds like there's been a few kind of iterations in your in your path. Like, how did you know it's time to make a, a change in your career? Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a great question. I don't think there was a time where I knew it. I, I actually had to be open to opportunities as they came up. That, by the way, takes a lot of courage. Yeah. It, it, you have to be open to going down a path that's uncertain and unknown, even though you may be comfortable in the path you're currently on. So the, most of those opportunities came up not because I had decided I was done with what I was doing and I specifically wanted that other role. I was happy with what I was doing, but opportunities to grow, to expand, and to try new things came up. And I had the courage to go and give them a try because I realized I, if, if I could learn from that experience, it would round me out and I have greater feeling of where do I want to go in my future. So I would tell folks to be open to those opportunities when they come up. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's great advice. And yeah, being someone that's made a, a few changes of my own in my, in my career, it's uh, I think it nothing's ever easy, but you know, I think it's, it's almost like a muscle that you kind of exercise and, and it gets easier to kind of adapt and, and stuff. It does, by the way, I mean, to your point, Greg, the, the more you do it, every time you take a chance and it works, you gain confidence that you can do it again. And actually you have a bolder role, you know, focus on what next could I try to go do? So I, I agree with you. The more you do these things that are uncomfortable, the more comfort you get in doing them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this kind of segues to our the main topic I wanted to talk about and and that's thriving amidst change as an organization, you know, instead of being disrupted by it. Let's start by talking about some of your experience at, at Autodesk. Uh, so you've helped lead Autodesk through some major transformations, most significantly when you transformed your business model. I know you're in the middle of another big transformation right now with the move to to platform. As we all know, change is not easy. I've been through several of these, um, and with some of the orgs that I that I advise and, and consult with, never never easy, but you know, lo- lots of lots of ways to improve the the process. Uh, you know, what did you learn from the first transformation that you're now applying to this one? Yeah, so uh, there's lots of learnings, and, and interestingly, we're working through two different transformations right now. We have a longer-term one, which is the move to the platform. We have a, a more shorter-term one, which is focusing on how we're reshaping our engagement model with our customers and our partners. So, the business model transformation gave us opportunities to grow and learn that we're applying now. Here, a few things come to mind. First. Whenever you're driving a big change as a leader or as leaders in an organization, you need to focus on communicating the whys behind the what's of the change. Oftentimes we go immediately to what are we going to change and how are we going to go change it? We don't spend enough time sharing why 
are we going to make this change? And why is this going to be a change worth making for all the stakeholders involved? And what will that future look like when the change is completed so that people, all the stakeholders can see, I'm going to benefit from this change. It's worth it to go through the change. I'm going to go all in to support the change because I will come out ahead at the end of the change. And without doing that, it's it's hard to go and really connect with people because most people are change averse. They, they don't want to actually drive change and be a part of transformation, especially when it impacts the way they get things done. So the first thing that comes to mind is communicate the whys behind the what and keep communicating them. Yeah. There's yeah. another learning that we had. We created a scenario with the business model transformation where we, 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 we like burned the boats, if, if I could use that term. We, we basically committed externally. We were going to be moving from a perpetual a business model with maintenance to subscription by a certain date. So we, we basically moved forward and did not give ourselves a chance to go back. And that drives a lot of commitment. It, it, it forces people to deal with the change as opposed to delaying or or hoping it will go away, which a lot of people end up doing. They're like, I, I just can hang tight here. This change will be reversed and we, we won't have to make the move. So creating the scenario where there's no return actually helps when you're driving a really big change. But when you do that, you have to be really clear that you're not going to get it all right. Um, and, and I learned that, we learned that through the first transformation. We're, we're not going to be perfect. So we need to be agile during the train change transformation window. We need to be prepared to adjust to make changes that are still in support of the overall goal, but maybe changes in the steps in getting there because we learned something along the way. And then finally, I'd say this, you really need to bring the stakeholders along for the ride all the way through from the very first communication all the way to when the, when the change process is over. You need to share learnings. You need to update on progress. You need to set expectations and then report out on those expectations all the way through. And going back to the first thing, you need to keep coming back to the why and reminding people, why are we doing this in the first place? Yeah, yeah. And that, that kind of, that's a nice segue to, you know, this idea that, you know, change, change and transformation, it's often driven by, you know, some, some type of business objective. Sometimes it's, it's customer experience driven, but still, you know, at the business strategy level. So, you know, executives and leaders, they've got a view of, of transformation that is sometimes different from those employees. You know, you mentioned, uh, people in general are, um, I would say change averse. Yes. Once they get kind of comfortable in their roles and, and, and have, have a, a routine and stuff like that. So, you know, what does a successful transformation look like to the, the team members involved? Yeah, it's a, and it is tied back to what we were just talking about. You really need to focus in on what's in the change for them. You know, people are going to say, what's in this for me? Why is this worth going through the change? It, why is this going to be meaningful to my well-being? And, and after, after I persevere and get through all the challenge of the change, why will life be better for me? So the leaders who can see the business outcomes are trying to drive toward need to work on reshaping what the future looks like for all of the stakeholders involved as a result of going through the transformation. Yeah. I will say this as well. Change is hard. And we all need to remember that. And the leaders need to have empathy 
for those that are going to be going through the change and may be impacted greatest as a result of that change and having that empathy and, and showing that caring and understanding, yet focusing on being supportive and showing confidence and conviction that we will get there. We will make this happen. And the outcomes that we're striving for are going to be beneficial for all is really going to be key. So the leaders really need to embrace not only that it's going to be a challenge and people will resist, but they have to create the storytelling and the vision for why this will be better for all those being impacted. So the team members buy into it and they will persevere and they will have grit and they will be resilient as they work through that change process. To all the events, marketing, and technology professionals out there, discover how to unlock the full potential of your events and how to use powerful data to unify events and marketing. RainFocus Insight will take place January 30 through February 1, 2024 in Salt Lake City. Insight is a must-attend event that provides a unique opportunity to learn from industry thought leaders and network with your peers. Experience inspiring keynotes, role-specific breakout sessions, and hands-on workshops all dedicated to showing the latest best practices and technologies to amplify the impact of your events. Register today at rainfocusinsight.com and use the code AGILEBRAND, that's one word, AGILEBRAND, for $100 off your registration fee. Can't attend in person? Register for the free virtual experience. Visit Rainfocus Insight to learn more. Before we get back to the show, I just wanted to remind you to hit the follow or subscribe button on your app to make sure you get notified when new episodes of this show are available. Now let's get back to the show. And so you mentioned taking a, an agile or, or iterative approach uh, to, to doing this. And, and certainly I've seen that is certainly the most successful way that I've seen change done as well. How do you, how do you kind of know the the right approach. I mean, you can you can do things iteratively, but they're still done in very big chunks versus small. Like, how do you how do you gauge how much uh, how much how quickly? Yeah. So it's a as I mentioned, we 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 we've used this kind of burn the boat, no turning back approach. But what we've we've done that is with the vision of the outcome. Once you have the vision of the outcome and you've built a, an execution plan to get there, you do actually work through phases of things and. Um, and it's, by the way, it's really important, Greg, that the leaders have confidence in themselves and conviction in themselves that along the way, when you hit bumps along the road, that you're still committed to that outcome at the very end. So I, I've talked with a lot of companies about the experience that we've gone through, and in most companies really struggle with keeping that conviction. So you need to have that conviction, and then you have to take those iterative steps to getting there. Here's one thing that we've done, and we, we did this in the business model transformation, and in fact, we're applying it again right now in the, the, the change the transformation I mentioned about uh, how we're reshaping how our customers and our partners engage with Autodesk. We've chosen one location as a pilot. That location, by the way, was Australia for us. And uh, we went there first. So we launched the program. It was more of an MVP you know, of, of, of capabilities, but we launched it there. We learned from, from the experience. We, we knew we wouldn't be perfect and we had gaps, but we would actually quickly fill the gaps, get market feedback, get customer feedback, and then make changes and then build that capability into the future. And so by choosing to, a place to go and trial it, 
we learned a lot that it positioned us to then be prepared to go and scale it in other locations. And that was really important because we were learning as we were going, but we were still running the rest of our business in kind of a business as usual environment in the, in the rest of the world. So we told the rest of the world, we will share with you the learnings as we go, but you keep focused on doing things the way you've been doing them. We will go and try something very different in this one market. And then from there, we will take the learnings and bring it to the other markets around the world. Yeah, yeah. And so so doing a, doing an MVP like that, you know, whether that's picking the market, which, you know, in that case was Australia, picking, you know, what maybe there was limited features or, you know, li limited um, change in, involved or, or something like that in, in an MVP often. How do you think about prioritization? You know, there's there's a million things that could be done. Um, there's a million things that will be done when when all is is uh, when tr the transformation is done. But, you know, how do you coach teams to think about prioritizing the right things so they, you know, the right things get done at the right time? Yeah, well, this this is a great question, and you're exactly right. It's a, prioritization is key. When folks are going through change, they want the world to be perfect right away, which means right. they want everything out of the gate. And that's, of course, not what an MVP is all about. So we need to be really clear on what are the need-to-have things, the, the must-haves, not the want-to-have things that are, will allow us to open up a brand new way of doing business be able to engage effectively with our customers and our employees and our partners, but also recognize that it won't be perfect and that we will continue to iterate and get better. This is a really challenging thing to work through because the, when folks are going through that change, they, they, they want it to be perfect. And you know, we've used kind of this model that we're taking progress over perfection in the way we go about doing an MVP release and then iterating on it. So we, we want to be able to have something that at least meets the market needs so we know we can operate. We then prioritize the feedback that we're getting along the way to make sure that we're picking the right capabilities that must be implemented next. And then we have an agile process of adding capabilities along the way. And then of course, what we do is we share what we're doing and we communicate what we're doing to all the stakeholders involved. So that when, when folks identify, hey, this is not perfect. There are gaps here. We come back to them and saying, yes, we hear you. You are right. We're working on these priorities first, second, and third, because these are the must-dos, but we are also going to get to the other items that you're asking for. And then you have to deliver on those things and you gain accountability, trust along the way. And, this, and the stakeholders typically gain more confidence and more trust the further down the path you go. Yeah. Yeah. As, so you also mentioned how, you know, with the with the Australia example, there was kind of two ways of doing things at the, at the same time, right? There was the way there was a rollout of the of the MVP. And then other teams were focused on, you know, let's let's maintain what we've been doing for the time being and, and stuff. And so, you know, often, as in the case of, of these transformations, sometimes that falls on, you know, the same team is kind of doing two different things at the same time. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's separate teams. Sometimes it's it's a combination of both. How did how do you approach that as far as, you know, making sure that the the teams don't get distracted by the the new at the expense of, of keeping, you know, keeping the, the lights on, so to speak, ver as well as, you know, having others or potentially even the same people focused on also improving the new, like how do you how do you strike that balance? Yeah, well, it's a, you're hitting on something that's really important. This balance is a challenge and it's an ongoing challenge because 
We want to focus on the transformational work, the stuff that's going to be uniquely different, that's going to position us in a very different way in the future. But you also have to highlight the importance of the work being done by all of those that are driving execution on a day-to-day basis. We're, we're dealing with that right now in this transformation that, I, that I've talked with you about, in that there are some people that need to spend a majority of their time on the work associated with this pending or this imminent transformation we're on. And, and as a result of that, some of the other responsibilities that they have, they're not going to have time to get to. This is where the other folks on the team need to step up and fill in for their colleagues and, and help do the things to run the business while those that are dedicated to the transformation can do that transformational work. This is where it's really important for leaders to communicate not just with the people who are working on the transformational project, but who are working on all of your projects and highlighting how they are providing impactful, meaningful work that benefits the company. Those that are filling in for those assigned to the, to the transformation are in, in part helping that transformation be successful because they're stepping up for their colleagues and they're helping them out. So you need to make sure that you're, you're recognizing all, that you're involving all, and, and that they, they all are making an impact toward this big new change. And you also have to recognize, and this is something that I, I talk about as far as being a change maker and driving big changes, Greg. Big changes, tra- transformations are a team sport, and, and it takes all the people involved, the work people doing the work and the people who are doing the supportive work around them to keep the business running that are required to make a transformation a success. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've, we've touched on, you know, the change, not easy. <laughs> you know, people generally don't, don't run towards change, um, you know, uh, bar, barring a few, a few instances, of course, but, you know, it's, it's hard to, want to change the way that you work after, you know, you get a new job, let's say you settle in, you finally kind of get in, in the comfort zone. And now all of a sudden, someone's coming in saying, we, we got to change everything. And, you know, I've, I've seen this in, in my work, I've seen, I've seen people, you know, prior to me and my team coming in, who have actually, they've waited out a failed transformation or two, because they just knew if they kind of stuck to what they were doing, you know, things would kind of ebb and flow and, and stuff like that. Um, I'm proud to say my team was more successful than than the past ones, but it's it's, it's certainly people can be can be averse to the to this change when they particularly when they don't see the the end benefits. But you know, what are some of the best ways that uh, you know? I know you've mentioned a few things already, but you know, what are some of the best ways you've been able to manage just this this general resistance to change? Yeah. So first of all, you're, you're exactly right. We people resist change. We've been talking about that. You know, keep in mind that we were doing things for decades one way. So it wasn't just a matter of being comfortable. Yeah. We, we it was kind of our DNA was doing work in a certain way before the business model transformation or before this transformation we're on right now. So it, it, there were a lot of people who were very comfortable doing things for in a certain set of ways for a very long time. This is where you know we always talk about the fact that change management is a really difficult thing to lead. And you know, while, while change requires an investment in technology, automation, you know, now the use of AI and things, and, and those could be very challenging things to build out. The people side of change, you know, changing people's processes and their mindsets 
is probably the harder task to go work through because folks don't want to make changes. And this is why, again, we have to go back to communicating the why is behind the what of the change over and over again so that people understand why this is going to be a benefit to them and why it will be a benefit to their customers and their other colleagues that are going through this change. And communication has to happen frequently. It has to happen consistently. As a leader who's communicated through change, I, I get to the point, Greg, where I'm almost getting tired of hearing myself say the same thing. But until I've gotten to the point where I say, I can't possibly say it one more time, I've recognized I haven't said it enough. And it means I need to keep communicating that way. But it also means that there's a, there's a process that we need to make sure we go through with, with education, training, and enablement. If we're moving to a place where skills and experiences need to change, we need to help people transition to the new ways of working. So we need to provide the training and enablement, and we need to provide them the time to be able to learn new skills and new capabilities. Now, I will add one other thing, and this is the, the less popular part of the discussion, but there are times when you're making big, big changes where people may just not want that change, or they may not be capable of the change, or they may just not you know, have the passion and enthusiasm to make the change. And it's those situations where you have to be open to having people opt out and, and choose to go somewhere else because they just can't buy into the program or the big change they have to go through. And that's okay. And we recognize that in our past and we've seen that happen, but we do provide the opportunity for folks to learn how to grow into the new roles and capabilities. And you know, we want as many people as possible to make that transformation along with us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Last question here. You know, we've been talking a lot about the the internal view of this, you know, whether it's the kind of the difference between maybe how leadership and, and stakeholders might view versus employees. But, you know, I also wanted to bring it around to the end customer experience, because at the end of the day, you know, one of one of the primary drivers of, of transformations is, is often the, the improving the, the end customer experience. How do you keep a focus on that among all of the other stuff that we are we already kind of talked through? Yeah, so this is a, it's a very important point. So I'm so uh, pleased that you brought this up. It, you know, the whole focus of my organization is delivering a world-class customer experience. It, it's our North Star of how do we ensure that we can turn the customer experience working with Autodesk into a competitive advantage that drives loyalty amongst us and our, and our customers. So we've, we put all of these change and transformation efforts into the context of delivering a world-class customer experience. And, and we, we communicate all the elements of the why, why the change. We will talk about why is it important for the employees and the stakeholders, but also why is this going to make life for our customers better, which of course then will produce dividends for Autodesk as well. So we also have done one other thing too. The, uh, a lot of the elements of change that we've implemented we're building out automation or technology or difference in processes or capabilities of our people that, that help improve and enhance the employee experience. And, and we're a really big believer in if you can continue to create a world-class employee experience and that if your employees are engaged and they're committed and they feel the purpose of, of their work, 
when they're communicating with customers, you will be in a position to deliver a world-class customer experience. So a lot of our change management is focused on improving not only the uh, customer experience, but the employee experience to support that great customer experience. But to your point on how you begin, I think everything needs to start with the customer. And if you keep the customer at the center and then talk about all the change associated with delivering a world-class experience to that customer, things work out in the long run. Yeah, yeah. And to totally agree. I think with that that relationship between customer and employee experience, it's so I, I know there's some research uh, kind of tying those things together, but I, I, I think there, there needs to be more <laughs> talking about it because I, I think it's such a, such a powerful connection there. Well, Steve, thanks so much for joining. Uh, one last thing before we wrap up here. Um, you've given a lot of great advice, a lot of great insights already. For those listening, what's one next best action you'd recommend for those leaders out there listening who want to be more successful in their next change initiative, maybe the current one that they're, they're, they're currently uh, within, what, what would your advice be? Yeah. So first, thanks for having me as a guest, Greg. I really enjoyed our conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the one thing I would highlight, something I said, that first, there needs to be that recognition that driving big changes or transformations is a team sport. And as a result, you need to bring the team along for the ride. So I want to double down on saying, Leaders need to over-communicate the whys behind the change. The why are we doing this? Why will this be better? Um, you know, we, we've got to make sure that if we're going to say what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, we anchor it in the why. Because when you can get people bought into why this is going to benefit them, why it's going to benefit their customers, why it's going to benefit the stakeholders involved, People can show up on a Monday morning and do something different with passion and energy, and they can persevere and push through some challenges along the way because they know they're getting to a better place. It's a place where they can go beyond what they've ever been able to do before. So I would just kind of reinforce that's the big takeaway. Everyone needs to do that next time they're talking with their teams. Absolutely. Love it. Again, I'd like to thank Steve Blum. Chief Operating Officer of Autodesk for joining the show. You can learn more about Steve and Autodesk by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to The Agile Brand, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkillstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. While you're there, check out my series of best-selling Agile brand guides covering a wide variety of marketing technology topics, or you can search for Greg Kilstrom on Amazon. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile. The Agile brand.